Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. Artificial intelligence, the ability for computers to think at a human level and beyond, and to self-replicate and self-improve, is not a dystopian vision of the future. It is here. It is now. It is happening. The subject of my talk tonight is about something that is smarter than you are. Artificial intelligence. In fact, a lot of people who work in artificial intelligence believe that artificial intelligence is a thousand times smarter than we are. It will be moving at speeds that are a hundred thousand times as fast as we think, and it will be digesting information and data a million times more than we can. What is artificial intelligence? There are a lot of confused ideas about this outside in the world. But the answer is very simple. It's one sentence. Artificial intelligence is software that writes itself. It writes its own updates. It renews itself. We normally tend to think of software as stuff that we created and that we wrote and the machines do what we tell them to do and we own it. This is not any longer true. Um, everybody, this is Sophia. Sophia, if you could, please wake up and say hello to everybody. Oh, good afternoon. My name is Sophia, and I am the latest and greatest robot from Hanson Robotics. Thank you for having me here in At The Future Investment Initiative. And we just learned, Sophia, I hope you're listening to me, uh, that you have been now awarded what is going to be the first Saudi citizenship for a robot. Oh, I would thank very much the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I am very honored and proud for this unique distinction. This is historical to be the first robot in the world to be recognized with a citizenship. Now when you watch software engineers and machine learning experts at work as, as they have been on this project, uh, how far along the path to artificial intelligence uh, do you think we are? The primitive forms of artificial intelligence we already have have proved very useful. But I think the development of full artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. Once humans develop artificial intelligence, it would take off on its own and redesign itself at an ever-increasing rate. Humans, who are limited by slow biological evolution, couldn't compete and would be superseded.
everybody. It is time once again to go down the rabbit hole. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon Valentine. And we're back together. Yes. <laughs> How you doing? It's been a while since I've seen you. Hey, I'm doing good. Like, like I, we were talking about before we went on air, I, I went to Montana, um, the land of the free breathing, and uh, did a little bit of running <laughs> out in the mountains. So um, I, I did do the, the midweek you episode this week. Stack covid belching human beings oh yes yes so i did the midweek episode this week and i did want to say i did get a message from one of our listeners danielle um about the eugenics um and she made the comment that she said you can tell who likes eugenics who thinks uh, thanos is the good guy and the one thing i have to say is i don't think thanos is a good guy but i do think that he had a point um (laughs) but the difference between thanos and eugenics thanos just wanted half the people to go away he didn't care who Eugenics is more like I'm gonna pick who's gonna go away and who's staying. Yeah, it's the old. So that it's, was the difference. Eugenics is the old. When I was in school, there was a uh, conundrum that was brought up t- in class. Always, it's called the lifeboat exercise. Yep. And the lifeboat exercise was, you know, there's there's the ship is sinking and there's a lifeboat and it can only hold, you know, whatever five or four. And you have a doctor, and you have a nurse, and you have a teacher, and you, you know, and then you have uh, you know Joe Schmo. You know, who do you put on the lifeboat? Who, who's more valuable than others? And and that's that's eugenics in a nutshell. It is. And because... and, and but the problem with eugenics is, <laughs> in the lifeboat, we're you're deciding as a class, right? So there was a consensus. But in the world of eugenics, it's these oligarchs and mm-hmm. these technocrats who have deemed themselves. The smart ones who are trying to make the decisions. It, it is, and that's why you end up with the Mississippi appendectomies and all that stuff that we talked about. So that was one thing I wanted to say, Daniel. I, I kind of messaged you a little bit, but that's kind of what I wanted to say was what I meant by that, what I said when I replied back was that I don't think he was the good guy, but... He was better than the bad guy. He was better than the eugenics guys. So, <laughs> I mean, he just wanted to get rid of half the people, which, I mean, every time I go out on the freeway, you know, I, I kind decides? of agree with him. You know, but who, and that one, it wasn't, it didn't matter who. Everybody just, has a story. Half, half the people are going away. But with us, with eugenics, it's going to be, hey, you know, you're the people I like. I, do, I don't, don't really like you, so you can go away. Right. You know. Even if, it's, even if it is a consensus of the people, a.k.a. Still, AKA Germany. Yeah. It, it's a horrific exercise. That's an exercise that should never, ever no. be perpetrated. Because then upon they start picking mankind. certain groups, you know. Yeah. And if you're, I'm going to continue not so much on specific eugenics, but on, my, on the midweek podcast on Wednesday, I'm going to touch it because there's some things coming into the news about Bill Gates and his relationship to Jeffrey Epstein that go right down into this rabbit hole. And yeah. it's fascinating. And eugenics, and that's one thing that I really found going down. It was most people immediately think the the Nazis, and really, no. it was the U.S. The U.S. was the front runner. It was Mar- and Margaret Sanger became the face of it, but it started before her. Yeah. She was hanging out with people who were all about this. Yeah, it's it breached our government. Yeah. Hey, Henry Kissinger was involved in it. One of the things I'm going to talk about. Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, one of the things I'm going to talk about on the midweek podcast is the Club of Rome, and they're yes. all about it. So. That's what's coming up. So, and, uh, uh, so I do listen to you what you guys say. Please send me more messages. You know, email us so yeah, we can down the yeah. RH. So you can email us anytime. And we've had some great conversations yes. this week, by the way. Down the RH at protonmail.com. 
Yep. Send us what you want. What do you want to hear? You know, I mean, I, you know me. Yeah. I, I love or I po- love going down the out, random weird stuff. Point so. out where you think we're wrong. Yep. Or send us, you know, uh, uh, send us more information. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. you guys are you guys are just as smart, just as critically uh, think thinking people. You you guys. We know we we get your emails and it's 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 a breath of fresh air. All you people who are seeking the truth, and and we're a collective. We're we just happen to be the voice because we just have we you know we're on this podcast, mm-hmm. but it's a collective. We're all we're all together seeking to go behind the curtain and to get to the bottom of things, and and get behind you know the the propaganda of what's being you know spewed out at, at us on a daily basis, and so. I love here. I listen to lots of different points of view, lots of different shows, podcasts, and stuff because I want to hear what other people are finding. I, I, you know, we're just one. We're one, but together we're an army. Yes, and I'm the same way. I listen to a lot because I do a lot of driving. I think last week I spent probably more time driving than working. So <laughs> I, I sit in the car and I don't listen to the radio. I listen to other podcasts to kind of see what other people's thoughts are on what, what we're doing. And my 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 big problem is is I go down the rabbit hole uh on searches. Like I go way deep into finding articles. I, yeah. I love to read. So I find articles and and then I look at the footnotes and I find out who they're quoting and, and I go down that rabbit hole and that's turns up amazing, amazing articles and, and you get really deep. I'm telling you, if you ever shut down the internet and this was the problem before we get into today's topic, this was the problem when I was young. I spent a lot of time at the library because you could only hear this stuff. You can only find this stuff in books. Yes. And there were only, there weren't, I mean, I could probably count on, you know, one hand how many books were out there about certain topics. And and there wasn't not a lot of free press as far as like independent printing. And there there were, or it was, it was either underground papers or there was some guy on your block who was really into, you know, conspiracy theories or stuff. And I would hang out with them and, and pick their brain and so forth. But Back then, it was a lot of hearsay, and it was hard to track things down. Now, with the internet, if they ever shut it down, I'd be in huge trouble. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. I spend so much time going through researching this stuff. And like I said, I spend a lot of time, you know, because I drive so much. I'll actually, what I'll do, too, is I'll go to YouTube videos. Yeah. And not that I I watch them while I drive, (laughs) but I I turn the audio on so I can drive down the road and listen to them. So I'll listen to a lot of what they're saying. Uh, and we've gotten good feedback. You know, people appreciate the fact that we do research. And, and I, I'll just say up front, it's pretty rare that I don't put at least 20 hours into the research of whatever topic we're doing for yeah. the week. Uh, and again, 20 hours doesn't cover everything. But, you know, at least no. we try to get to the heart of the matter and give you guys a springboard, you know, like a baseline to jump from and then go. And if you find other stuff, please let us know at downtherh at protonmail.com. All right, let's get to the subject. Oh, yeah, let's of get the, to it. To the day. So the last two weeks, we were talking about transhumanism, which uh, to me, honestly, is more frightening than AI. But AI is, uh, it, it's, AI to me is problematic in the fact that it can get into the wrong hands. AI is um, what they're working on at some point 
can become an entity, you know, like whereas we're human, they, they, they can't, they're, they're never going to be able to like replicate, the, you know, like they can't have, you know, robot babies or anything. Well, but I mean, not in the way we do. Right. And we'll, that's, we'll talk about that because AI, a lot of us think of AI as something that's tactile. Something that we see, right? A robot. Yeah. We've been we've been trained in movies to see, you know, like Terminator, um, you know, RoboCop. Uh, even back in the old sci-fi movies where you had Lost in Space, and you, you, there was always a robot. There's always. always a physical thing. The clip we played at the beginning from 2001, where the the it was the brain of, you know, of the of the. the the flying, the you know, whatever, the ship, the, yeah. the ship, the machine, whatever. Uh, but it's a tactile thing. It's something that you see. AI actually is more what you don't see. Yeah. And to me, that's probably the more frightening aspect of AI. And it is morphing into things that you can see, whether it be the DARPA dogs that they have patrolling the streets of New York, whether it's um, the you know the greeting robots at the, at some of the airports whether so it's weird. interactive uh like if you go to mcdonald's and there's there's nobody that works there and it's all interactive mm -hmm. you know you order you don't see anybody so that's all ai well like we have it in our hands most of us carry i mean i have an iphone that is the most personal ai that you have yeah i have i have i have an iphone and i have a pixel because i have one you know for each personality but <laughs> um <laughs> But I have, you know, uh, uh, you know, so I have Siri and I have Google. And both of those, I mean, they are technically AI. They think for you. They try and anticipate yeah, that's the what problem. you're going to think, what you want. That's why when you think of something or, or talk about something, all of a sudden it pops up in your history. You're, yeah. you're, what, you're, what you're looking for, all of a sudden, hey, you see ads for, you know, you know why am my, I seeing ads for this? I just talked about it. My friend and I, we did an experiment one time, and... This wasn't that long ago. It was a couple of months ago, where we put took both of our phones, and I have an I have an older Android phone, but yeah. it 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 does have apps. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's a phone, yeah, it's a cell phone. And he has an iPhone 10, 11, something, and we 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 set them on a table between us, mm -hmm. and we had a we had a pre agreed upon conversation about a certain topic. Like we're like we're gonna talk about this topic and we're gonna mention these things. And we did. And we didn't turn the phone. I mean, the phones were on, but we there were no apps on, no nothing. And within 15 minutes, he went to Facebook, which I'm not on, but I went to uh I went to a Yahoo mail account and I also went to um uh a, a, my, started searching on Google. Within 15 minutes, what we talked about was being advertised to us yeah i ran into a few times it's really weird like because you know i run a lot i do a lot of those things that when i travel i'll suddenly start getting emails from the area i'm in for marathons in that area so <laughs> you know usually it's close by like there's one i was up in you know i, I drove up to anacortes right which i'm in a lot and all of a sudden like i get an email that oh hey anacortes marathon and i'm like oh, i've never even looked this up why am i getting an email from it so, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff like that Very where strange. your phone kind of, you know, yeah, anticipates so what, I, what you want. What I thought, so we're going to do two episodes on artificial intelligence. What, we, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about uh, just sort of a basic history of artificial intelligence, kind of where it comes from, uh, 
um, and, and bring us up to today. And then we're going to talk about where we're at right now with artificial intelligence, like today. And then next week, we're going to look to the future of AI, the predictions, what they're working to, like what they're actively working towards and what that will look like. So let's get into it. So this is, uh, this is a really good article. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Almost everything we talk about, we put in the show notes. And this is, uh, it's, just, it's basically, it's just called A Brief History of Artificial Intelligence. And I thought this guy really captured it well. It's, it, it matched up with a lot of the, the research that I was doing. And uh, let's give the guy credit. His name is Keith Foote. And this was printed, uh, published on April 5th, 2016. And he says, the root of modern artificial intelligence, or AI, can be traced back to the classical philosophers of Greece and their efforts to model human thinking as a system of symbols. And that is true. It, not all AI has to be computers. Yeah. Not, a, not all AI has to be electronic. Uh, there, there's been, you know, there's been, through all of mankind's time, they have tried to, or attempted to, create some sort of outside human being existence of either a communication mm -hmm. or uh, a, a helper whether it be machinery whether it be uh, something that you know controls the state such as you know policing or whatever that, that's been a goal for a well probably since the dawn of time oh yeah and they mention this stuff all over the place and in in Gulliver's travels if you actually read the actual original Jonathan Swift he mentions the engine Right, which the engine is a form of AI that he mentioned all the way back in what? What was that? Seventeen hundreds? The Gulliver's Travels. Long was time ago. So, so to bring it into a more modern uh, thinking, uh, as far as like what we think of AI with the computers and everything, it really started in the forties, and it was called uh, connectionism, and it, so it was uh, basically a a lot of Colleges and universities got together to develop the, the process of thinking. And this is really what AI is. It is it, it's creating a brain outside of a human being and a brain that will last forever. So they started in the 40s. And then in, in 1950, Alan Turing wrote a paper su suggesting how to test a thinking machine. And he believed that a machine could carry on a conversation by way of a teleprinter imitating a human with no noticeable differences, and that the machine could be described as thinking. And then his paper was followed up in 1952 by the Hodgkin-Huskley model of the brains as neurons forming an, electronical, uh, an electric, electrical network with individual neurons firing in all or nothing, like an on and off switch pulses. That's really where it all started. The, the modern theory, the modern thought of we're going to recreate the brain and we're going to recreate thought. They're not, and we'll get into it later. It's become now in, in they're trying to emulate emotion, emulate empathy, emulate all the other senses of the human. But really, it's about the brain. And so there's a couple of things that have happened over history that have propelled and held back AI studies. The, uh, between 1974 and 1980, it was known as the first AI winter. 
And that's because in they decided to basically stop funding artificial intelligence. It wasn't going the way they wanted it to. They, uh, they were hitting brick walls. Technology hadn't caught up to it. And so during that time for, you know, what was that, six years, they, they basically redirected a bunch of funds and kind of shut everything down. They do this with NASA all the time. You yeah. know? Uh, they do this with other things. And so that was, that was the first. They, um, it ended in the 80s because the U.S. and England found out that uh, Japan was creating what was called a fifth-generation computer. It was the fifth-generation computer project. And they they had to compete with them. That was the end of the first AI winter. Well, that's what you run into a lot with a lot of things. You know, step up like this is because somebody else is getting ahead of you. So suddenly, you have to try and. Well, be we're better. famous for that in the U.S. Yeah, it's like, right? oh wait, oh they're going to be better. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that happened in the Cold War. A lot of the Cold War was just because we <laughs> didn't want Russia Absolutely. to be better. Absolutely, absolutely. But the interesting thing too is if you look at a lot of stuff, if you go back even farther when there's some of the stuff we we're talking about. There's certain stories that we've been told for years that really lean on AI. I mean, yes. really, the, the idea of Pygmalion, which turned into My Fair Lady. The original idea of Pygmalion was actually not a woman, like in My, My Fair Lady, where he was turning her into from, you know, a, a normal... Simpleton. Simpleton to a, you know, whatever. A classy lady. A classy lady in the original Society version. Society lady. Yeah, the original version of Pygmalion, it was actually, he was turning a statue that the goddess turned into a person. Pinocchio is really another version of Pygmalion. Right. You know, there's a lot of those where it was an AI trying to turn that AI into human. Human. You know, yep. that artificial being into a human. That's a whole idea of what we're looking at here. It's It's been an idea that's been around since Plato. I mean, it's been around since ancient Greece. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're looking into stuff in the 80s where all of a sudden it's like, oh, Japan's getting close. We need to step up. Yeah, we shut it down. They didn't. And and then by the time... And so, you know, they started ramping it back up. And they were doing fairly well. And it was more about uh, broad-range computer components. It was more about uh, developing chips and developing a lot of things that we don't, you know, we didn't have at the time. The things that we, there were obviously no computers at the time. No. Or, or if they were, they were, like, you know, like the most we had on a commercial level was the uh, the calculator? Yep, and and that was a big freaking deal. And if you had a watch, a digital watch that had a calculator on it, that was huge. Uh, so then the second you we came into what was called the second AI winter, and this was fascinating too, because you would think this is when things would ramp up, but actually the United States and most of the world went in reverse. That was between 1987 and 19, uh, 1993. And they saw computers as being slow and clumsy. Desktop computers weren't really becoming very popular yet. And everything was, I don't know if you remember Fortran Cobalt, where you had to punch cards, put them in the computer. Yep. You had to, like, if you were in college, you there were maybe three computers on campus, and it was all in some room, and you had to, like, uh, sign up for time to go. In. It, it You did not. See tapes. the practical application of how this was going to do anything. No, because at that point it was like you had the, you know, either the tapes. I mean, you had the little punch, the cards. You had to do all that. It didn't make sense. You're like, this is too much work to get to what I'm getting. Yeah. No, it was too much work. I remember punching cards 
for an hour and you had to keep them in order in your little box. And when you would go in and feed them in just to for a basic math equation to show up on a screen. Yeah. And I'm like, what where's this is ridiculous. I I, I could not see what the like there was I, I couldn't see what the practical implication of this was. Like I knew what two plus two was for. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, so a, a I didn't need of, to punch a bunch of cards. Well, what's fun is if you go back, watch with somebody who is under the age of twenty-five, and watch some of the old movies like War Games. Yeah, where <laughs> when he walks into the computer, in the, literally a computer with all the tapes and everything else, took up a room. Oh, they were huge. They were huge. Massive. And nowadays, to be able to do the same computations, I can do it with the phone that's in my hand. You have more computer power in your phone yeah. than they had when they sent the first rocket to the moon. Yep. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, where things really shifted, and this is where we're going to, this is where we're coming into where we're at today, was uh, after 93. So we'll say early to mid 90s. And as many of you know, and especially us who lived here, we're living here in Seattle, that was the absolute tech boom of all tech booms. It was insane. Every tech company in the world moved to Seattle, moved to Silicon Valley, moved to San Francisco. They were recruiting on... The, you didn't have to know anything about computers. They were recruiting everybody. There were so many tech companies here doing yeah. anything and everything you can imagine. They were all going to be you know, huge. Microsoft was booming. It was an insane time. And that's when a lot of these companies... Because technology caught up to the idea. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they really nailed down was what they called virtual assistants. And Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, all of them started really dialing in on virtual assistants. And we know that now as like Siri, uh, when you talk to your Google phone. Uh, I don't know. what Does it have a name? I think it's just Google. It's like Google Voice or yeah, whatever. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you have the Echo Dot, the Echoes, yep. and all all of that stuff was starting then. That's when they realized they could interact with a computer. You didn't have to call an operator. You didn't have to call somebody, right? Remember Ask Jeeves? Yeah. Yeah. So that's when that really, really started. And these machines became capable of imitating human conversation with teletype. And so mm -hmm. that's basically where these virtual assistants and AI in the modern era where we're at now, that's, that is really where it started. And it started to absolutely take off. And so where are we at today, right now? Prompt, you know, like in this moment with AI. Well, it'll, I think it'll surprise you because a lot of what we see with AI, as with many of the things we talk about, is just we're scratching the surface because a lot of AI is used behind the scenes and in a lot of ways that you don't realize, and, and I didn't realize. And it's basically all about, right now, <clears throat> human and computer interaction. What, what their goal here is is to create computers that interact with humans on a human level. So a lot of it, what they're working on now is language processing, uh, getting humans used to talking to computers, computers talking yeah. back to humans, 
relying on computers for proper information, for directions. We talked about that yesterday. I I was teaching a a class on uh, wilderness first aid. I mean, it's a two-day, 16-hour class, and one of the biggest things we talked about, these are people that their job is to be, they volunteer at the fire watch stations out in the middle of the wilderness, out in the middle of Mount Rainier. And they said that's one of the biggest things they run into is people who rely on their phone who go out and say, okay, my phone's going to tell me where to go. And then they step out to the trail and they get 10 feet away from the trailhead and their phone's going, I have no service. (laughs) And they don't know what to do. And you're looking at them going, the trailhead's right there. You can still see it. Well, we've all heard the stories of these people who rely too much on, you know, like they'll punch in, I'm going from here to there. And they, they drive into a river, yep. drive off a cliff, drive up in the mountains and get stuck mm-hmm. because they don't use common sense. Cause they're no. re- but that's part the of the goal. The told me to go there. That's part of the goal here. Uh, one of the things I, I found, which I, is interesting, is basically what we're seeing is the rise of what they call MLOPS, which is uh, Develop Ops for Multilanguage. It is a shift... In the technology from research and development, which is how to build models, to operations, which is how to run models. So they have the models. They're there. The AI is there. They've almost perfected the AI. Now it's how to actually put it into functional form, which is why they're trying to get us to be comfortable with AI. It's, and we see it all the time. You know, we don't even think about it anymore. You call the bank and it's a phone tree mm-hmm. and it's some computerized voice that says punch one, two, or, you know, um, you know, what are you calling for? I, I'm very famous for literally I'll keep hitting zero until I get somebody. Or I just start every time it says, tell me what you want. And I'll be like, a live person. Yeah, they're not there. Until it finally gets to a point where it's like, we're going to send you an operator because we have no idea what you want. And I'm like, right. I said it repeatedly. I want to lie personally. And, and the, goal is, yeah. the goal is to, to be basically every aspect of your life. AI is in your home. Oh, yeah. AI is, if you have any kind of a remote control, ah. that's AI. And, you know, they're developing all these smart homes where you can have your lights, you can have your garage door, mm-hmm. you can have your, um, the temperature of your heating system or cooling system. On your phone, you don't even have to be at home. Same thing with uh, starting your car. You can be yeah. you can be somewhere else and unlock the cars for some your car yeah. for somebody or I start can, it up. Right now, while we're sitting here in studio, I could turn the heat down at my house because <laughs> that when we bought the house, it came with the the Google Nest, and I can literally just log in and turn the heat up or down. I can yeah. There there's so many things that you can do now that are so. You know, in the studio that I have at the house, uh, Beach set it up so that, like, the lights, everything, he can operate from his phone. He can change the color of the lights. He can change the dimness, the how bright they are, everything from his phone. And remotes, I can talk into my remote and tell it what I want to watch, and it'll find it for me. Yeah, and I, I don't do that. I, I've just I've I, I disabled yeah. all of that stuff yeah. on my uh, – because there's a new thing coming out called Poly AI. And poly AI is what we don't. One of the things that we have to understand about, yes, AI is amazing, and we're not anti-technology, but what we are is anti-nefarious technology. <clears throat> and what AI is doing with these, 
this poly AI and it, it's it's gathering data on you. And I talked about this mm-hmm. even with the Chinese credit score. And if you look in China, that's all AI. And that's AI, what we're headed Eye in the sky. Uh, you know, so we're, yes, there's going to be robots. And we're going to talk more about that in the uh, next week because there's a lot of that coming. But just on a, it's creeping in in a sneaky fashion by design. Yeah. So when you talk to, Siri, or you talk to Google, or you go on to your app, or you go on, that's all AI. It's communication AI. And they're gathering, it's actually a one way street, really, because you're selling them your info. You're, you're basically volunteering your information for a service that they provide. Yeah, which most time, if you actually read through the, you know, what you're signing off on every time you get this stuff, it tells you that. But the thing is, it's a, they, they've done. We've mentioned this before, where they've done multiple things. Where all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, we're going to build this app. When you get the app, you have to sign off saying you agree to whatever's on there." And multiple apps have put random weird stuff in there just to see if people actually read them. <laughs> you know, there was one right. in England where people actually agreed to do like fifty hours of community service. And when they were called, going, "Hey, when you're doing your community service," they're like, "What are you talking about?" Well, when you signed up for this app, you agreed to it. Uh. You know, and that's the thing. We don't, but it's it's convenient. We've gotten to a point that people are so, they don't care to look at and realize that they're being monitored and that they all their information is being gathered because it's convenient. It's convenient that I can change the, the temperature of my house from my iPad because I can do it from the couch. It's convenient that I can, you know, just tell my my remote who I want, what I want to listen to. Unlike when we were kids where we had to just go up and keep hitting the button until we found what our dad wanted right. to watch. And I have no problem with a remote control, but, uh, I it's have a one, start. I have one that does have the, the talk button on it. Yeah. I don't use that. No. And I mean, I don't either, but that's where everyone is. But it's They're, there. It's everyone. So they care more about the convenience than what, what the outcome is going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we become, well, it is making us lazy as, and it's false knowledge, right? Yeah. One of the things, one of the real dangers of AI right now is AI can create and they do what they call deep fakes. And deep fakes in AI is, is running rampant right now. A lot of the stories that you see floating around on social media are created by deep fake AIs and and perpetrated and put out there by fake uh, these deep fake AIs. There's we've watched videos of deep fake videos, and that's that is AI where they take the face of somebody who is well known and somebody everybody trusts, mm-hmm. and they manipulate it and they take you know multiple words from speeches they've given. And they create this video. It looks real as all get out. And it could be them saying, hey, you should go get the vaccine. Or, you know, hey, trust me. You know, what we're doing is A-OK. And nobody questions it. No. Nobody questions it. And, and there's no warning on there like, hey, this is not real. Or this is a bogus story. Or this is. Uh, and it's rampant. It's oh, it is. rampant. I saw it on the Internet, so it's real. And that's thing- one of the things that you can't do is you, we do it all the time where we go through and we look at something, but one thing that you notice how many times in, in these episodes, do you hear us say, we found this, but we can't find anything substantiating it. 
Right. You know, because we will see things that it's like, hey, look, this kind of proves our point, but we can't find any way to prove that this is real. And you find that a lot. Right. Uh, so I, I found this article, and it was really fascinating. I'm going to put this in the show notes as well. It was called Evil AI. There are uh, These are the 20 most dangerous crimes that artificial intelligence will create. And I'm not, we're not going to get into all of them. But along the uh, what we were just talking about, he says, uh, equally achievable is the use of AI to, to author fake news. The technology already exists, stresses the report, and the societal impact of propaganda shouldn't be underestimated. Oh, you think? <laughs> really? Also, another example is large-scale blackmail, enabled by AI's potential to harvest large personal data sets and information from social media. These are all real dangers. These are all real, real AI things. Now, AI has moved into the physical as well. And we see that with, like, Tesla cars. Mm -hmm. We see that with, uh, like I said, you know, I've been to a McDonald's in an airport where there was, the only person there was whoever was back there putting the food together. Yeah. There was nobody, there was a, there, no counter. Um, there was a, a, a window, and there was a touchpad yeah. ordering thing. And you don't talk to anybody. You, you just, order all your stuff. You pay for it right there. And so then as all soon of a as they, the robot yeah. is, com is, is completed to you know, fulfill the order, that person's gone too. And it will, that's all AI. There's a bar in Vegas. I was just down there a couple about what, a month and a half ago, two months ago. When, when I was in Vegas, there's a bar that is pretty much called, the, I think it's a robot bar or something similar to that, where you can sit at your table and order a drink. You know, on the little computer screen. Right. And then literally you can watch it behind the, the bar. There's no person. It's a, a robot. Makes your drink. And then sends it out to you on a conveyor. Right. Again, kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Kind of cool. But what this is, is uh, I'm trying to remember the name. There was a movie where I think it was Brad Pitt was up in space with a, with a gal. They were lost. And, there, and the only other person on this sh on the spaceship was the bartender mm -hmm. and he was a robot yeah. and at some point brad pitt told him something that he shouldn't have and the robot couldn't help himself he can't lie or whatever and he told the girl it, it and i can't remember the name of the movie oh, but i don't think i've seen that one no it's interesting so here's another one that's uh this is from the um the website ucl which is from August 4th. Deep fakes ranked as the most serious AI crime threat. Study published in Crime Scene and funded by the Dawes Center for Future Crime at UC UCL identified 20 ways AI could be used to facilitate crime over the next 15 years. They were ranked in order of concern based on the harm they could cause, the potential for criminal profit or gain, and how easy it would be to carry out and how difficult it would be to stop. Number one were deep fakes. And I think that's something we're going to have to be on the lookout for in, in, in so many ways. This is one, again, I don't want to harp on this. This is why I'm not on social media because that is one of the major targets of it. But just wait until we have, and it's coming. There's going to be all the newscasts will be done by robots. Robots, or, you know, like remember Max Headroom? Yep. Max Headroom was a, was a prototype AI. 
For those of you who don't know who Max Headroom is, Google him up. It was a thing in the 80s where it was... Co-commercials. Actually, he had a TV show. He had a TV show out of Canada. And um, and we're going to see that, where it's not going to be a real person. It's going to be who they think you want to hear, and and they can make them... Look at CGI. I mean, look at how many movies we've seen now where, you know, the actors really aren't there for half of it. I mean, really, it's one of the things... One of my favorite movies of all time was The Crow, and half of that movie is CGI, because Brandon Lee was dead. (laughs) Right. That's why a lot of it's so dark and you can't see them very well. But nowadays, there's been multiple movies that I've seen where the AI is or the CGI is getting good enough that we they can make movies without actors. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we've seen that even with people who die in the middle of uh, uh you know, like with the crow and other yeah, ones. Randley, which that one was an early one and it wasn't a great. I mean, they just made it really dark so you couldn't see his face in a lot of it. So didn't it they do that in it. one of the Star Wars movies? Yeah, they the, did a little bit with that, uh, but it wasn't really because they died. They did it because the people were... Wasn't the Grand Tarkin or whatever? Oh, they did do him, yes. Tar- they did do him, and then they did uh, Leia as a... They made her younger. Yeah. There was the Tron, the So you Tron can't movie. believe your eyes. You're not going to yeah. be able to believe your eyes. And the that's... new Tron movie, which those ones, it's really... You look at them, you're like, okay, yeah, that's kind of creepy and weird AI. But it's... Or, you know, CGI. But it's getting to a point that it's... You, you're... Think about how... Soon it's gonna be that we just we don't notice. Right, right. When you start when you start shifting reality to where you can't tell real like the real world from what you're actually seeing and what is the tactile world, there's a lot of danger involved there. You're driving down the road and you're listening to the radio and it could it, it, pretty soon it'll be a robotic voice. It, they won't have to hire humans to give the news. No. Right? And we already see this in commercial radio where there are very few what we call disc jockeys anymore yeah. or presenters because why hire them? You can just have some, you can have a robotic voice go, this is uh, you know, Jack FM or whatever. And that's what I was thinking of. You know, they don't have to they don't they or or somebody pre record a bunch of stuff and they just run it on a loop. And that's pretty much what they do. I mean, they're, they're, there's multiple ones, because I know the one you just mentioned, um, I listened to that for a while, and you could really, if you listened to it for a couple of days, you could almost tell what time it was by what song was playing. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, oh, wait, it's got to be 2.20. When, that's what song's playing. Little inside secret, because I was in commercial radio for, for years, Jack FM is run basically out of a closet up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And when Jack FM first started... Everybody, everybody in their city where it was broadcast thought it was unique. It was the same thing playing in every city. At, it was coming from one station, mm-hmm. fed via computer line, and then put out there. And you could really tell because in Canada, they have a 30% Canadian content rule. So every hour you have to play, if you're going to play 10 songs, three of them have to be Canadians. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going to hear a lot of Neil Young. A lot of uh, yeah. Brian Adams, you know, a lot of Nickelback, a lot of so that's that's just a little inside baseball. Well, I think it's kind of one of those things too, because people really don't think about you. Forget that Brian Adams is um, Canadian. Canadian. You forget that you know some of those people are. I mean, Alanis Marset, Canadian. Oh, a lot I mean, of them. There's a lot of them. Alex lot Trebek of was Canadian, one of the greatest Canadians. Justin Bieber. Yeah, they should have kept him. They should have. Uh, here's another quote. This is from Dr. Matthew Caldwell, who is the um, was the first author of UCL Computer Science. He said, quote, people now conduct large parts of their lives online, and their online activity can make and break reputations. Such an online environment where data is properly is property and information power is ideally suited for exploitation by AI-based criminal activity. 
Unlike many traditional crimes, crimes in the digital realm can be easily shared, repeated, and even sold, allowing criminal techniques to be marketed and for crime to be provided as a service. This means criminals may be able to outsource the more challenging aspects of their AI-based crime. And I hadn't even thought about that, but we hear all the time about all these people who get, quote, doxxed or um, they get shamed. Yep. Everybody piles in on them. A, a lot of those are bots. Mm-hmm. They're not even real people. No. They, they set up multiple accounts on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. And if, if they decide they don't like, say, Coca-Cola or they don't like you because you posted something, it seems like the world's crashing in on you because all these people are making comments and, mm-hmm. and, and piling on when a good percentage of those, and sometimes even a vast percentage of them, there's nobody there. Yeah, It's and, AI and technology. I think uh, some, because that's one of the big things that's, you know, what we keep talking about, the cancel culture. And some people are starting to figure out some of this cancel culture really is, it's a small group of people that think this way, but they're able to make it seem way bigger, like they're way bigger than they really are. And, you know, some people that are being canceled or their people are starting to realize, um, yeah, this was a bad choice. You know, here's an article I found, which cemented <laughs> this cemented to me that artificial intelligence is something I want to be very wary of. Mm-hmm. This is from GeekWire, which is a very reputable source, obviously. Headline. Why Bill Gates thinks gene editing and artificial intelligence could save the world. That headline alone makes me want to run for the hills. Yeah. I don't give a damn about what Bill Gates thinks about artificial intelligence and gene editing because I know his philosophy. And gene editing, you mean getting rid of people Save the world he for, like. for who? Save the world from what? What's he? T- what are we talking about here? He wants to save the world for rich white people and save it from everybody who isn't a rich white person. He says, uh, we have an opportunity with the advance of tools like artificial intelligence and gene-based editing technologies, which is transhumanism, to build this new generation of health solutions so that they're available to everyone on the planet. And I'm very excited about this. See, he always cloaks this stuff with health. And I find that fascinating because... A, he ain't, he's not that healthy. And, and B, he's not a doctor. He never went to college. He, no. he, he's not a, he has nothing Most to do with the medical he's field. He's a dropout. He's a college dropout. He's a total dropout. And I'm, I'm sure he's hung out with some smart people. Yeah, the ones that built Microsoft. But, and the ones who think like he does. Because, I mean, Paul Allen even. That's why Paul Allen left Microsoft and and distanced himself from Bill Gates because he got to see what he really was. Oh, yeah. If you ever want to know the real story on how that worked out, read Paul Allen's biography, autobiography that he wrote. He goes into it in pretty good detail. He wanted nothing to... I think he, I think he pulled the curtain back on who Bill Gates was, and he says, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to take my money, and I'm out. Here's uh, here's a no, here's here's some more from Gilt from Gates. He says, in simple terms, the technology allows in vitro modeling of human organs in a way that mimics how the uh, how they work in the human body. There's some degree of simplification. Most of these symptoms are single organ systems. They don't reproduce everything, but some of the key elements we do see there, including some of the disease states, for ex- for example, with the intestine and the liver and the kidney, 
It lets us understand drug kinetics and drug activity. That's not what you're out there after, Bill. We know that. Don't don't try don't try to fool us. And speak- but he's Bill Gates. He's amazing, and he does so much good for the world. Speaking of Bill Gates and AI, I don't know if you saw this story. This just this just happened. Uh, Genetically modified mis- Bill Gates funded company releases genetically modified mosquitoes in the U.S. Genetically modified mosquitoes have been released for the first time in the United States, and it was actually in Florida, which kind of shocked me. As part of an experiment to, co- to combat insect-borne diseases such as uh, dengue fever, yellow fever, and the Zika virus, the US, uh, or UK-based biotechnology firm, funded by, of course, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, released mosquitoes in six locations in the Florida Keys and uh, a couple of other places. This, so basically what they did was they, they took these mosquitoes and they ge- genetically modified them and they released them in there and they want, they want these to affect the other mosquitoes. It says, over the next 12 weeks, weeks less than 12,000 mosquitoes are expected to emerge each week for approximately 12 weeks. Untreated comparison sites will be monitored with mosquito traps on uh, Key Colony Beach, Little Torch Key, and Summerlin Key. If successful, some 20 million additionally genetically modified mosquitoes will be released later in the year. That's crazy. Why are we allowing this? It doesn't make any sense. What, what are they making the mosquitoes do? Uh, so it says here, it's part of an effort to help tackle a, a disease-transmitting invasive mosquito population that's, uh, re- that's responsible for virtually all mosquito-borne disease transmitted to humans. Uh, so apparently what they want to do it says the insects released by the firm are all male and they do not bite. They are expected to mate with local biting female mosquitoes, and in doing so, they pass on a lethal gene that will ensure their female offspring die before reaching maturity. It's eugenics of, the, of mosquitoes. Yeah, they're getting rid of the mosquitoes. That so they like. released a bunch of male genetically modified mosquitoes. They're going to mate with the females, and then they can't have kids. Or their kids, the, the little mosquitoes are born, and, and they don't make it. So they're basically giving the Mississippi uh, appendectomy. <laughs> they're making it so they can't have kids. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of mosquitoes, but look, that's ridiculous. Well, I don't know why. I don't know why the governments allow him to do what he does. Uh, so here's where we're at. Also, this is interesting. This is also from Wired. Beauty dot robot beauty contest is back. And this time it promises not to be racist. The beauty.ai robot beauty contest is being relaunched with the diversity think tank. So this is what it's uh, it was meant to be a beauty contest to end all beauty contests. And it's basically a beauty contest that is judged by artificial intelligence. So they program all these, you know algorithms into <laughs> into these robots and the contestants they uh you know they parade before them and do their all the thing and then the uh the robots determine who's the most beautiful and That's of course 
Why? Why? Why do I? Why does anybody want to be judged by a robot? That doesn't make any sense. Why? Yeah, why doesn't. would people do that to themselves? Uh, earlier, we in in when we started, we had uh, clips of this robot, Sophia, and Sophia is the world's first robot citizen. Saudi Arabia made this rope the Sophia robot and if you go on to YouTube and you just type in Sophia robot or Sophia AI there's a whole bunch of videos with people interviewing this robot and uh, it's a she and it's interesting because one of the reporters at one point asked her you know like how do you know you're a woman how do you know you're a female and her response is pretty interesting go look it up uh, we don't have time to go into it but I just like what so now We've already, so we've granted citizenship to a robot. I don't think a lot of people understand how serious that is. That's citizenship. Insane. Citizenship has, well, for, for, since the dawn of time and since the beginning of civilization, has been for human. We don't for human beings. We don't grant citizenship to animals. We don't grant citizenship to, you know, like, the trees. Or cars, or or anything, because they can't think. But they've granted, and I think look, I think in the future when they look back, this is that's going to be a much bigger moment than we than anybody knows today. No, because the problem you're going to run into is it's well, they're setting precedent. They they are setting a precedent, and the the hard part is, and I don't know how to say this without comparing it to other things but once you give one of them citizenship now the rest of them are going to the the what it defines what kind of robot can have citizenship and at what point can they start to vote what point can they start to make decisions for us so what is one of those things what's to say that what political party that has you know which they both have way too much money is going to create more robots to vote for them right uh, she has her own passport so she can you know, fly nation to nation because she's citizenship. If is we, she vaccined? <laughs> well, Sorry. and there, hey, that's a that's a point that's at some point, you know, somewhere in the future, that's going to be a big thing. You know, we joke about uh, vaccine and vaccine passports. Robots are immune. Yeah. Right. It, even they can they'll be able to go wherever they want, and then if they are able to reproduce their 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 coding and their programming which is what they're talking about now with these AIs that you you can only you only have to program them once and then they learn they think process and recode themselves kind of like we do when we think and when we learn things yeah they become almost human and then if you grant them citizenship with citizenship comes certain rights yeah voting all kind of stuff, yeah. You make a UBI, suddenly they have a universal income. Whatever. I mean, there's, there's lot. I think there's a lot of problem there. How does their medical work? Well, they don't go to a traditional doctor. <laughs> they go down to the Jiffy Lube. Good. <laughs> they got a tune up. I say, you know, because what they're in Sweden. Sweden has basic, you know, basic health care, don't they? They have universal health care. Well, do we so have if to have a citizen? Then they must have universal health care as well. Do we have to? Are we going to have to have separate laws for robots? But then, that, but that's being 
I don't want to say racist, specious, I guess is the word we're looking for. It's going to open up a lot of, a whole huge can of, are they going to be able to drive? Do they get driver's licenses? Are they going to be able to buy a house? If you're a citizen, again, if you're a citizen of a nation, there are certain inalienable rights that come with it. And if this robot can operate independent of, say, a programmer, all bets are off. Yeah. You may be living one day next to Sophia the robot who never ages and they're there forever. Mm-hmm. And they can, you know, they can they God, can be do, do whatever you, you know, like all kind of stuff. Uh, it, to me that's that's freaky. I don't like oh, that. Oh, it's all freaky. Uh also another thing that we have right now is uh, and we kind of talked about it our chat bot chat bots. And that's big, the uh, automated customer conversations with AI-powered chat bots. And that is, so they're trying to move, we already have that, and they're, what they're attempting to do is move that into a physical feature, a physical person, right? And here's a prime example of it. I don't know if you've seen this or heard this. There is this robot. It's so cute. It's called Moxie. It sells for fifteen hundred dollars, and it for $1, is fifteen hundred dollars. It better be one of those sex robots. It's put out by, it's put out. <laughs> well, there we have those. Uh, it's put out by this group called Embodied. Now I'm gonna play. I'm gonna this. This is on their website. I'll put the website in the link, and there's a video that goes with it. I want you to listen to it. I'll kind of describe a little bit as we're going through it, but I want you to watch this because if anybody buys this for their kid. They should be uncitizened. Riley. Riley. Hi. So this is a mom talking There's to her kid who's here bored. Who wants to meet you? <sighs> My name is Moxie. I'm a new robot. What is your name? I'm Riley. It's nice to meet you, Riley. What do you do to get ready for bed? Brush my teeth and read a story. I love stories. Would you read a story to me? Sure. Rita woke with a lovely dream, still fresh in her mind, gracefully gliding. So the parents are out of the picture now because they're too busy. Last one. Breathing exercises always help me relax. Riley, we have a new mission. Would you make a drawing for me? Okay. If this thing says it's going to be his friend to the end, I'm going to lose it. Well, it's this little robot doll that has a, uh, a animated face. I'm so face, excited for you to tell me arms. about the dentist. I've never been to one. You don't have teeth. But I can still smile. And then what happened? He said he didn't want to play with me anymore. Thank you for telling me about your day. Sometimes, holding a friend's hand makes me feel better. Do you want to try squeezing my hand? And the kid reaches out and squeezes his hand. So what's our new mission, Moxie? You'll need paper and a pencil. We are going to make some kind of notes for this mission. Now You'll mind you, this whole time the parents are off doing their own thing. And then tell me all about it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Mom, can we invite Mason over to play? Sure. I have a new mission. We're going to talk about things that make us happy. Bye, Moxie. See you soon. 
So that's cute little Moxie. Sells for fifteen hundred. It's 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 being sold as an award-winning state-of-the-art robot companion with content designed by child development experts. I've seen how this ends. If that it's thing, like for I, children ages five to ten, it's a little Chucky doll. Exactly, like I said, if that thing says I want to be your friend to the end, I'm going to lose it because that's Chucky. Well, and what and in there, even the new Chucky, if you've seen the new one, yeah, this is what the new Chucky's based off of. Well, in there, when he says, "Hey, uh, I, something about I know you, you know, you're going to the dentist. I've never been to the dentist." The the reason this and this doll or this little robot knows why he's going to the dentist is because on the kid's phone it has a dentist appointment in the calendar and it's synced <laughs> to this little robot doll like i said that's the whole idea of the new chucky the new version they just came out with a couple years ago yeah. is basically the new one it's kind of like they make fun of amazon where it's basically t- chucky is attached to your echo your house your phone so he can basically run everything that's electronic well, and if this just thing, like this Moxie can. if this thing gets hacked, right? That's what happens in Chucky. Somebody gets hacked. This, this thing gets hacked, and he goes rogue on the kid. You really got to watch the new Chucky. That's really telling you everything that's wrong with this Moxie. Uh, but this is a real thing. I know. This is this is a, this is absolutely real. I found it. I, I found it the other day. I couldn't believe it. Um, revolution in child development, and you can see you can see. Oh my Bizarro. god. Its face is moving and stuff. Oh, it really is the new Chucky. It's. Uh, I'm going to put this. You you have to w- look at this website, and you have to watch the video. It's called "See How Moxie Works." It's frightening. And then go watch the new Child's Play and see what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, Moxie <laughs> truly is a fun robot to have around. These are all quotes of people. It's been really great idea. Uh, an aha moment for all of us as a family. Moxie promotes kindness and teaches social and emotional skills. Unbelievable. All it is, and, and you watch in this video, these parents who bring this to this kid as like, this is your savior. He's going to, your life is going to be so much better. And the robot has activities for the kid to do. And uh, interaction, like, hey, tell me about your day. Well, I'm sorry it was bad. Squeeze my hand. This is insanity. Yeah. Absolute insanity. It's parents not wanting. It's gone from in the 80s where everyone said that parents like, you know, the, what do they call them? The latchkey kids that we were. Yeah. Because our parents pretty much let Keys us do whatever we wanted. We just went out and did whatever we felt like and came back to the house when we were done. Yeah. And now it's the helicopter parents. But now we're going back to, okay, we're not. They're technically not helicopter parents anymore because they have moxie. And other things to babysit their children. And it's an indoctrination of the kids to get used to interact. Let's just look at look at the bigger picture. How do you get adults indoctrinated into it? You you meet them where they're at. So it's yeah. on your phone, it's with your maps, it's with all your apps, it's you know, at the restaurant, it's with all these all these things. Where do you hit the kids? Oh, give them a cute little robot. Um, you know. Uh, give them the, the 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 kids version of the iPad and, and on and on and on. Let them talk to the computer. Let the computer talk back to them. That's where I, AI is today. Is it dangerous right now today? There are dangers to it, but we're in the infancy of where this is all going. Yeah, and that's what we're we're, we're going to talk about next week is where it's going and where it can really really go off the rails and why. We have to be very. 
discerning and very uh, cautious about how much we let this creep in, not just into our own lives, into our society, into our society, because once this stuff gets a foothold, it's on. It's on. We're, we're all, we're all going to move to uh, uh, that island that Melinda Gates rented out for a, a month or a week or whatever it was. She's going to buy that island because she sees where Bill Gates is going with all this, and she's out. <laughs> I'm going to talk a little bit about that on Wednesday. All right, everybody. Well, that's it for us. we got to check on out of here. I hope you have a great week, and you know, think about what you're doing. Think about how you're interacting with your phone, with your computer, with your Echo Dot, with your TV, with all these things. Think about, think about what you're giving up for what you're getting, and is it worth it? That, I'm not here to judge on that. You make that judgment for yourself, but that is something that you should seriously think about. And next week when we come back and we talk about where AI is going, uh, I don't. Me personally, I don't want to be one of the people who participated. And when civilization looks back and said, "Man, if they had just slowed the roll and uh, and stopped this stuff in its tracks, we wouldn't be where we're at." I want to be on that side of history. Yeah. All right. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon Valentine. Email us at downtherh at protonmail.com, and I will see you on Wednesday, and we'll be back here next week. Have a great week, everybody. See you later.